Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This podcast is sponsored by nonprofit Professional Performance 360 magazine. Hi, this is Paul Lemberg, and I want to welcome you to Orchestrating Success with Hugh Ballou. This podcast is all about ways to redefine leadership as a pathway to increasing your business or nonprofit income. Now, here's Hugh with today's session. Hey, it's Hugh Ballou again. My guest tonight is a, a man I met through another person, his publicist. And uh, um, we talked a little bit and I discovered we had a lot of values in common and we do similar work. And we're going to talk about David Duryea's new book that's out. And I've got a copy of this book and it's, it's really, it's really good. It's, there it is, 200 pages of really, really well-researched, well-written content. And the, the book is called, I'm getting to the cover, and it's, I started reading and I've gotten deep into it. The cover is a light bulb, and it says, do the right thing. So my guest on this podcast is David Durier. If you want to comment on podcast, uh, any of these sessions, go to hughballoupodcast.com and you'll find this episode there and you'll be able to comment. So David, tell people a little bit about yourself and what inspired you to want to write this really great book, Do the Right Thing. Well, first of all, Hugh, thanks for having me on. And yeah, it's been a great conversation and connection with you as well. Um, basically, Do the Right Thing is, is really do the right thing in business improvement including process and technology. And I would have to say that uh, came up with the idea or at least the inklings of the idea somewhere around the, uh, the late 90s, believe it or not, um, when we were in the heydays of putting in a lot of different technology, dot-coms were coming up as well. And um, we were doing a lot of implementations, but I saw also at the same time a very high failure rate. And some of my background is, is integrated in that as well, is that not only I've been working in this industry for oh, almost 32 years, I've done a lot of different researches. I've been on over 60 different implementation and projects myself. Um, I was also called on the course to be an expert witness for failed projects. And what that means is that I was a project forensics. I would go in, figure out why the project died, what caused it and where the bones are buried. Um, then I wrote the report and submitted to the courts. And during that process, there was a lot of things that came to light. I also saw a lot of different failures, but I also saw a lot of different reasons. But what happened was, is all of those projects converged into a similar idea and concept. And those are the concepts and things that I have highlighted in the book in itself. Wow. 
Wow. When, I, when we look at a project or a business in itself. Now, I wanted to show people that, that are watching on, we're, we're broadcasting this podcast on Facebook. And if you go to the podcast, uh, hughbluepodcast.com for this episode, you'll see the cover of his book. And it's, it's a really impressive cover. It really gets, gets my attention. So I wanted to, to make sure that people on Facebook could see it as we're doing this live recording. It's more fun to do these podcasts live. <laughs> <laughs> so go ahead. I wanted to give a visual for people to connect with you. Sure. Um, so in this, I, I put a lot of these concepts into um, different phrases so that people could really understand them and really be able to use them in an insightful way. So the first thing that I found is something called the law of business reality. And the, and the law of business reality is something all about an organization is created to do basically serve their customers in a profitable way. And the law says that if you, if you don't serve your customers in a profitable way, you will cease to exist. All organizations are under that principle, that law, if you will. Now a core business model, which is a big part of the book, is organizations understanding their core business model is basically a subset or a derivative of the law of business reality, and that is um, an organization serves its customer uniquely in its industry in a profitable way. So every organization needs to understand exactly why they're there, how they serve their customers, and how they can do that in a profitable way. If you cannot serve your customers and you cannot be profitable in some way, then you will cease to exist. Hmm. Hmm. You, you say in the latter part of the book, um, you understand how crucial it is to have a good understanding from the law of business reality to your organization's own core business model to a sound, functional, and cost-effective effective enterprise establishment strategy. It is cascading relationship that starts with the essence of the organization. It is a cascading relationship that starts with the essence of the organization. That's a pretty profound paragraph. Yeah, Hugh, that's all about the, the core business model is what an organization is all about. It, it transcends just all the mechanics and the knowledge and things that people want to do with their business. It basically is the heart, if you will, the heart of why you're there. And very successful organizations have those. If you look around at some of the most successful, what I would call, startups or even large organizations like for instance um, you apple netflix fedex even amazon right now and amazon is really in the news right now with what it did with its its uh acquisition that it's impending on and the reason for that is because they know exactly who they are how they serve their customers and the or and the customers themselves know who they are and how they will serve them too so when you have that essence, when you really understand yourself, you're not just going through the motions of, hey, this is serving, a, you know, serving up a service or a product, and here you go, but you really have that passion for it, your organization then emulates that as well. The connection point between the core business model of the organization, the, all of the operations that, that need to, need to 
activate, if you will, your core business model. Now, basically all that is, is in the book, it described as three major pieces, your marketing and sales, your um, product or service uh, development and delivery, and your administration to support all those. So all of those different pieces have activities and processes that need to go on. And the essence is something that terminates all of those things. And the core business model then turns into core business processes. And then they also turn into core business enablement. And we discuss that all the way through the book so that you understand that when you buy a certain type of technology, that if it doesn't further your core business model, then you're going to have a real problem being able to serve your customers in the way they want to be served. Just to give you a quick idea that here is that in the, um, when we're doing implementations and things I have, and actually doing a couple of forensics, one of the root causes of the failures was because they actually purchased um, software, which is called ERP software. Uh, they purchased some software that was really designed for like a different industry than the industry they were in. Like for instance, if they, this was a, um, a distribution company and they bought software that really was all about manufacturing. Those were a mismatch and therefore the software didn't fit them real well and therefore the, the project failed and in this case the project failed it brought down the organization it literally sent the company into chapter 11. Oh my goodness. Yep. My goodness. You um you talk about that as well. Uh, you can see the direct relationship of how it affects not only your business, but every business. It is the reality-based improvement that so many organizations seem to try to ignore or circumvent. Now that you have insight to be misguided leaders, now that you have the insight to the misguided leadership styles, failed establishment initiatives, and dis disintegrated operational models that have led to fail projects and bankrupt companies. But in turn, you now have the methods to correctly drive your company to be one of the industry leaders. So how did you come to the essence of all of these? There's a lot of moving parts, and you, you address all of them in the 200 pages of this book. And I find it easy to grasp because it's laid out so cleanly. I, I hate books that are just all copy, but you've got it you've got it um, laid out so it's really easy to grasp the concepts visually, which means I can, you know, my simple mind, I can, I can internalize it. But tell me about your background of how you assimilated all these components and put them together in this really good book. Well, because I was not only doing implementations for business, but I was also doing for forensics, I could see it from both ends. So I was speaking not only to people that were um, in the operations side, but I was speaking to the business side. I was speaking to board of directors. Um, I, was, I was speaking to investors. And it gave me such a broad-based perspective of exactly every level of the organization and which each level has an impact or influence on it. I also spoke with some customers. So I got the unique perspective of understanding how the customers look from the inside, from the outside in, and then also from the management and leadership from, from the inside out. Because of that broad base, or you might say a holistic viewpoint that I was able to 
glean out of so many different um, engagements, I was able to clearly put all of these concepts together. And also I saw how they all connected and they were all, if, if I will, holistically and synergistically connected. Like that word synergy, my company, as you may know, is Synervision. I took synergy and vision and put them together. And as, as you may also know, I spent 40 years as a musical conductor. And um, we create the culture of high performance, which we call ensemble. And so Synervision is, is sort of what resembles ensemble in a, a culture that's not a music culture. But, but what you talked about, about your core model, um, I, I relate everything to the orchestra or the choir. There's a core model for how we function, and it's a very high-performance model. And you either, you either cut it or you don't play. Mm. And so it's, it's, a, a, it's, a, it's a very, very high standard indeed. And I'm yet to find that kind of standard in any kind of other organization that I work with, whether it's a, a mid-cap corporation or a, a smaller nonprofit. I don't, I don't find that system anywhere. So this, this core business model driving to higher performance, expand on that a little more if you think there's some synergy in what I just talked about. Oh, absolutely. Um, I have been in a, a, nowhere near the level of music talent that you've been, but I certainly have played an instrument and been all the way through college in the, in the marching bands and things like that. So if you can't, if you can't play in tune, you're out. You know it instantly, someone's out of tune, right? In fact, we're always nudging the guy next to us and go, hey, what is wrong with you, right? <laughs> in the same, te- in the same, same side of it, in the, uh, the marching band, if, you, if someone isn't in line, oh my gosh, you know that right away too. In fact, the whole audience sees that. So the idea of the core business model is exactly what he says, is exactly what you said, Hugh. It actually is not only the essence, but it's also the goal. It gives you the idea of exactly what you need to do. Everybody, as you say, you're a conductor. Everybody in the orchestra needs to look at you. Everybody needs to know where they are in the, in the music. Everybody needs to know what's coming next. It's the same thing as the core business model. Everybody has somebody, something they understand what it is they're driving for. This is the model. This is the goal. This is what we need to do. They all know their different places in the organization, whether it's in the process of, of marketing, sales and service, administration, service or product delivery, but they all know what their individual roles are and then they all know how they fit together. So the whole operation runs at the same time. And believe me, you, they know when the sales and marketing isn't in sync with the product delivery because somebody's overselling the features or just the product itself, the, the, the features aren't doing with what they said and it's not in alignment with the core business model, all the way down to your attorneys. If your attorneys are not expressing the same kind of contracts and things like that they need to, that emulates who you are as a core business model, then all of it together is either in sync or out of sync and guess what your customer is going to know immediately you're you're that's so critical um the um under your business improvement model on page 162 162 in your book um step one under part one of the business strategy structure you have 
understanding the law of business and the footnote here, the description underneath it is organizations serve customers in a profitable way. And then in parentheses, balance, quality, and efficiency or cease to exist. And then the next one, understand the target, the core business model, why organizations generate profit differently from their companies, so different from, from their competitors, excuse me. So, um, we want to serve customers in a profitable way. And we, we, it's really the, uh, the balance that's important. Talk a little more about those. Uh, we, we get off track and do some companies are so focused on profitability at the expense of the customer experience um, that it, it really hurts and it really hurts their company. So talk about this balance a little bit under this law of business. Yeah, that's a, that's a great point here. The whole idea of the core business model is all about balance. It talks about you got to serve your customers and you have to earn profits. Otherwise, you're not sustainable as an organization. You cannot continue to serve your customers in the way they would like if you, can't make, if you cannot make the profits that you need. At the same time, we know that you have to earn some sort of profits, not only to maintain, but to pay all your expenses and to earn a little bit of investment. You have to have some investment, otherwise you can't be sustainable. But at the same time, if you take advantage of your customer or even, you know, basically say, take them for granted. I see that so often in businesses, taking a customer for granted that they're always going to be there. Well, because of the invent of all of these things on social media, online purchasing, it's going to take you all of 30 seconds to learn a, to lose a customer. And in the book, I actually highlight the cost of losing customers and how that has an impact and how, how much of an impact of market share and things like that. So you definitely do not want to take advantage of your customer and you certainly don't want to take them for granted. Now that takes a lot of effort and a lot of investment on the other side. So you have to be able to be efficient at serving that customer. If you're not efficient, then you're not going to be profitable enough to serve your customers in the way they expect. So the balance is constant where you're constantly trying to serve, constantly trying to be efficient and constantly trying to do both at the same time. And if you don't keep that focused of constantly balancing, one of them is going to get out of balance and then you're going to start to slide and your business is going to then slide into unprofitable situations or you're going to lose market share and customers are going to run to another customer that's serving them in the way they want. And either way, it's going to slide the company into probably dissolution. Absolutely. Absolutely. Maybe you should send a copy of this book to the major airlines. <laughs> We'll let, let's just let that one slide. Um, so how does focusing on an organization's core business model help drive higher performance? Because this, this performance thing, going back to the musical analogy, that's to me, that's the core of what we are. It's our performance. It's not the theory of what we do. It's how we actually perform in the day-to-day -day operations. And we do make a profit because we provide value to our customers. So how does focusing on this core business model drive higher performance? Well, the first thing you want to do is understand why you are serving your customers. Why are they coming to you? It's not, 
hey, this is what we're offering you, you know, you, you need to come to us. That's not the way it works. The way it works is the customers say, hey, you're serving me in the way I want. I like that. And you're giving it to me for a fairly good value, a good, you know, price that I can, I can work with. So the idea is, the performance side of it is, first you have to lay out how you're going to serve your customer. From that, there are processes and functions. You also need to enable those processes and functions. And the number one enablement right now is technology. As everybody knows, technology is a big deal. But the issue is now that technology is extremely expensive. And furthermore, it's, it can be very complex to work with. So the company needs to keep a very good focus of exactly what kind of technology they need to their, their own customer value. So when you're driving in performance towards the back end of the book, I actually have it laid out where you can actually measure the performance of your processes in something I call core business productivity. And there's a way that you actually can measure that and then compare that with a new operation you want to put in. That is a good way for most organizations to understand whether a new piece of technology, a new, um, new vendor, even a, even a third-party outsourcer. I'm constantly being asked, should we keep something in-house? Should we give it to a third party? Well, remember this. Anytime you take a particular function and you move it outside of your organization, it's going to basically dilute your core business model because somebody else is doing it. So if there's a way you can maintain that, that's fine. But most of the time, if you keep it in-house, you have total control. But it's can be, it could be more expensive. So you're constantly balancing those pieces of how you're going to enable your process and your operations to perform it in a higher way. So performance is actually can be measured in a new productivity line, which I call core business model productivity. This helps you understand and keeps you in balance all the way through from, from the top part of the organization all the way through down to the lower ends where you're actually in contact with your customers. Productivity equals F, F versus E, F, F colon E. Is that, the, is that the shortened version of a core business productivity equals core business model functionality and efficiency performed? Yes, it's basically functionality times efficiency. And the reason why it's laid out that way is that the functionality parts is all the things, the functions that you want to perform for your customers. And you just, that literally, it's what it is that needs to get done. The efficiency side is how, how efficient are you performing those functions? So that's a balance. You got these functions need to be done, and the efficiency, how well are you performing those functions? So if you multiply those two together, then you get what is called productivity. If one goes out of balance, meaning we're not, we're not doing the functions we need to, then your productivity goes down. If you're not doing the functions efficiently, then your productivity goes down. See how those balances balance out? It is. What I was thinking here is this ought to be mandatory reading for anybody starting a business um, because we, we get off track because we look at the existing models of ineffective, inefficient productivity and not really valuing the customer experience. And I, um, I guess you're familiar with the Gallup poll that says that 
70% of employees are either disengaged or actively disengaged. Correct. Which mm -hmm. has to negatively impact their performance. Ex exactly. Exactly. Because they're, they're not fun. And, and we, I'd love to be able to do some research on that to kind of peel back the layers and the onion peels here and try to understand exactly why that 70% exists. Why, why is it so persistent out there? And I bet you those people are not connected to the organization's core business model. They are not invested in what's going on. And they don't seem to understand how they fit in the total model. I, I, yeah, my experience is you're, you're spot on. And I do the people part of that. How do we integrate it into performance? It's the culture piece that I work with. We call it leadership, but very few people understand leadership. And what you're giving us is a really solid framework to educate us on what it should look like and how do we measure it. Um, so I'm, I'm going back to if we're starting a business, a lot of people start a business, many of them fail. This Dun & Bradstreet said that 90% um, of entrepreneurs fail because they don't have the skill set to run a business. They call it manage to manage. It's leadership. And as John Maxwell says, we, the law of the lead, the organization can't go any further than the leader's ability to lead it. Um, so what you're given in this book, from what I've seen, and I've not digested it, it's a lot of really useful content that I was not willing to rush through. But the parts I have seen, uh, I resonate with a lot. And your, your um, listing of, of citations in the back, your attributions, you did a lot of research mm -hmm. in addition to your own personal experience. So it's not just you shooting from the hip. It's well thought out, well researched, and you took you five years to put this together, I believe you said. It took me five years to write it. Uh, again, it was a part-time thing, but uh, it probably took more like 15 years to actually be able to so solidify and legitimize all of the different concepts in the book itself. Um, but yeah, it, it took, it was, it was pretty rigorous, but I wanted to, to be um, comprehensive. I wanted it to be something that almost a business leader or somebody who was in the trenches could pick up and say, okay, I understand this piece. I know how this works for me. So it's, it is, like you said, it's step-by-step. Step. It's like a handbook, but it also is something that people can pick up and understand the concepts and how they fit in their own organization. I found that to be, yeah, I found that to be very true. So, what do you see as the major issues uh, why organizations do not perform or projects that do not attain the targeted performance? Well, I would say the biggest reason is the leadership really, really doesn't understand their own core business model. And this one here was a, was a big revelation for me. When I went in, and I even have a story in the book about how I sat down with a business leader and I asked him the question, so why do the customers buy from you? And he said that I was the very first consultant that ever asked that question of him. And he's had many consultants come in and talk to him about all kinds of performance models and analytics and things like that. But I was the first one to actually ask him, why did the customer buy from you? Now, instinctively, he knew his core business model. And I, I would have to say that and, and it was a private organization and a lot of private organizations know that instinctively. But I would happen to say that a lot of leaders 
a lot of organizations do not understand their core business model and they get into some good get into some ideas of how they want to expand the company and they don't even realize that some of those initiatives actually go against their own core business and that's that's very problematic and we've seen that a lot so the first thing is why do businesses fail or some project initiatives fail and that's because they don't understand how the initiatives are going to affect their core business model i would say the next thing is uh, the companies don't understand uh, it, don't understand how their own products and services fit into their core business model. And one of the great cases I would think of this is Apple Computer. If you look at the history of how Apple Computer has come up and what they're what they've been able to do, and they've changed a lot over the years, but what hasn't changed is really their core business model. And their core business model, people don't even realize, but they take technology and make it simple. Oh yeah. oh yeah. That's what they do. Now on top of it, they make it, if I will, they make it cool. You know? And that's how they've been able to, to add on all products, not just computers, but also their phones, their pads, their iPods, everything they do is all about taking some technology and making it easy to use and then make it real fun. So yeah. they, they really understand their product, their services, and how all their products would fit up inside of their core business model. I would say another big one is the misnomer, that technology will automatically further an organization's core business model. Not necessarily. You have to get the right kind of technology. And then this, the, the next one, really is a big one I work with almost every day, and that is innovation will automatically further an organization. Now, those two sound a little bit the same, but it's not because there's all kinds of innovation that comes out, but sometimes organizations don't necessarily mesh with the innovation itself. Now, here's the biggest one of all. Organizations that don't even realize that their industry has been changed by innovation and they don't grasp that and you actually I think that dovetails very much into what you do with leadership and the skill sets and the things that you're talking about that they didn't have the skill sets to recognize what the impact of certain innovation is going to be on their organization and their core business I see that a lot these days because things are changing very quickly as well well it's 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 I, I agree with you it's Partly that leaders don't understand um, their role and the consequences of their actions, and they think they got to be the boss. They got to make all the decisions rather than using the expertise around them. And um, I, I've seen companies, I, I um, bought a little camera store in Florida and grew it from 12,000 a year to 1.4 million and owned commercial photo in that part of central Florida over the years. And I had five distinctly different Kodak dealerships. At that point, Kodak owned the imaging business. They were the big guy on the block. They totally ignored Fuji. They totally annoyed the, uh, uh, ignored the innovation of digital. And as you know, ultimately they went into bankruptcy. Yeah. Um, and now they're just kind of a very different, minimal player instead of a major player. So they were really blind. The leadership was really blind to the status quo. So the, this innovation thing can really distract you or not. It can, it can kill you. 
So that's a huge point you just exactly. Made. So I'm curious, what instrument did you play? Trumpet. Ah, I won't tell you my trumpet player jokes because you'll probably come back with conductor jokes. <laughs> so there's some synergy in the core business model and in, in the orchestra. I'll use the orchestra because there's so many different kinds of personalities. There's distinct personalities with brass players, very different from the woodwinds, would you say? Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> so so uh, the leader nuances all of those, but your core business model is your culture and your core business model is the structure, which is very analytical, highly mathematical structure, which then provides the basis, the structure to be creative. So we have uh, in that core model of the orchestra, we have the, the strategy of the, the, the music itself, the piece of paper, but it's the connection, the integration of that and performance that really makes something happen. So the, the core business model there is what's missing and the understanding of it and the, the different players understanding their role and then having the, the, we serve the music, we serve the client, which is the audience. So we focus on what makes it the good user experience. So is there an analogy there that fits what you're talking about? Oh, absolutely. Um, the court, the, when, when you're talking about analogies with music, and we were talking the other day about that, it really does fit very similar to that as well, is that the model itself gives the goal of where the organization wants to go. The other people, as in musicians, know what their musicians, they know how to play that instrument. They need the sheet of music to know how they fit all together. Um, and if they fit all together and they're doing the right thing, then they sound fantastic. If they don't, then we're out of tune, we're out of key. Some are coming in when they're not supposed to come in on the music. Um, I only make that analogy because I had a professor constantly tell me, you know, he was a stickler for making sure you were coming in right exactly on the downbeat of where you should be. And he knew within milliseconds almost, it seemed like, whether that was accurate or not. But all of those things together, if you don't come together, then you sound awful. Just like core business model, if you don't have everyone together, which sounds like an amalgamate of actually the culture and the structure and the operation all working in concert together. Uh -huh. And when they do, then it's working very well. And you will be able to instinctively know how to serve customers and balance that quality and efficiency that you need to maintain profitability and sustainability. So this, this fits my podcast, Orchestrating Success, and it's converting passion to profit. The, the profitability, as you said earlier, drives what we do. And I'm, I'm amazed at how many people don't realize how important, even in charities, we got to make profit. Um, so I'm, 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 we're focused too much on profit, or we don't do that critical balance that you talked about. This is really helpful. Um, so what steps can an organization take to help improve their performance? Well, the first thing they need to do is they need to implicitly understand their own core business model. And if they don't know, they need to figure that out so they know what's the effects on the operation itself. 
Once they understand that, they need to understand exactly how their profit generation is tied to their core business model. They need to understand that customer and why they are buying from them. And then they'll be able to understand how that's affecting the model and the generation itself. I think that, I, I, I really think that business needs to constantly review industry trends and changes that might impact their core business model. And they need to sift them to understand, is this really moving us or is it not? And, uh, and further technology and innovation, or even a lot of it is, what about a disruptive? Um, particular company that's coming in and they look like, you know, the, the startup, you know, fathered son, if you will, and they come up and then all of a sudden they just dissipate out. And an organization that understands why their core business model is there and why the customers are purchasing them will understand if a particular disruptor is going to impact them or not. So organizations need to really understand the disruptors and any new innovation or technology that's coming in and sift that with their own core business model. They might need to make the moves and make the changes. I mean, right now there's a huge change in what we call the financial advisory industry. Those organizations are starting to really feel the impact and actually a number of them are starting to file bankruptcy because they did not change uh, from the impact of how innovation is making it move from a active management model to a more analytical and technology driven model to reduce um, costs and make them more efficient. So huge changes that are going on in there. That's just to name one of those impacts. Oh yeah. But there's those pieces themselves constantly looking at what is their core business model, why customers purchase for them, how they can constantly improve that model and further their customers is the best way to help understand how to improve the business. So this, this brilliant book that you, you've created, uh, Do the Right Thing in Business Improvement, including process and technology. Um, so how does the book help organizations to improve and where can they get the book? Okay. Well, the way that helps them uh, be able to improve themselves is that the book itself is laid out. As you mentioned, here, it's laid out in a step-by-step -step process. And it's organized in three, three areas from top to bottom. It goes from the strategy side and then the process and um, execution side. And then even has a section on enablement, which is the resources that, how to evaluate resources for your organization. So basically it goes all the way from A to Z and you can pick it up and read it. And hopefully with a lot of the different stories and research and things in there, I try to make it a little more interesting than just a, a book of definitions, but they'd be able to understand and pick up those concepts a little bit better. Um, where they can get the book? Well, it's on Amazon, Barnes and Nobles, and on my publisher's website at westbow.com. And it is under the name, Do the Right Thing in Business Improvement, uh, with my name, David A. Duryea. D-U-R-Y-E-A. Yep, and the other thing they can do, if they like the book and some of those other resources out there, they can go to my own uh, website, which is just the same, davidaduryea.com. And out there, we highlight those core business model ideas. We have other resources that uh, folks can 
be able to download a bunch of white papers there too if they're interested in strategy, innovation, and even disruption. Love it, love it, love it, love it. Well, David Durier, um, you've created a, a book that should be a standard in anybody's business library. And um, it's, it's not only a learning experience, but it's a good reference tool to go back to, to uh, keep, keep current. I, I suggest to my clients, they get good books like this and they read it through with a highlighter and highlight. And then six months, eight months later, go back and read it again with a different color highlighter. And we find that we've learned enough that we're ready to learn the next thing. And this kind of book has enough depth to it that there's more to learn when you go back and, and review the content. It's many, many years of sweat and it's really practical advice, practical content and very usable content, I find. So thank you for sharing your wisdom with the listeners of Orchestrating Success podcast. We are we are people who are making a difference in the world and it's content like this that empowers us to make a difference. So as we close out this interview, uh, is there something we didn't cover you'd like to mention briefly? And then finally, what's a tip or a thought that you'd like to give people as we do a summary at the end here? Okay. Well, I, the one thing I wanted to do is just to make sure that, that your audience understands that the core business model, I've taken, there's a lot of ideas and things like that, but if the one thing, the one takeaway they have is understand a core business model in their organization to serve the customers in a profitable way, and they keep that in forefront of themselves. This is the tip. Always keep that in the forefront. Every time you think about an improvement or something that you want to do to um, add a product or service or something like that, keep that in the forefront and then your organization will not um, get off the rails. They will keep to the, the core business model. And I believe they will be able to sustain um, a high level of success in all they do. David Durier, thank you for sharing your wisdom with our listeners today. Thanks for having me, Hugh. It's been my pleasure. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening today to the Orchestrating Success Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes to stay focused on ways to redefine leadership and increase your profit. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.